Listeners, I know we all love to clink clink, but maybe you're looking to clink clink and cut back. You know what I mean? Are you looking to cut back on alcohol this year? Well, recess is a great tool to assist you because recess mocktails are 0% alcohol made with real fruit, only 25 calories or less, sweetened with agave, infused with functional ingredients, and they taste just like your favorite cocktails, just without the alcohol. I love the Recess Paloma because I love the ritual of pouring myself a lovely drink to unwind. I love doing that every night. I think it's essential. Recess Zero Proof Craft Mocktails is my go-to to go chill. So get 15% off Recess Mocktails now at takearecess.com slash clink. And you too can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Clink, clink. Listeners, remember when everyone was doing juice cleanses and was basically hangry all the time? Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to lose weight. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Row's partners handle all the insurance paperwork to help get medication covered. If eligible for medication, patients have access to their provider on demand for any questions. You can sign up online from the comfort of your own home. This means no scheduling a doctor's appointment, no commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to Row. Dot co slash clink. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash clink. Welcome. Welcome. Housewives of true crime. Yeah. Never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. Always something. <laughs> we both get back from vacation last this night. Is true. We thought we were rock stars when we left because we got all our stuff done ahead of time. Like way ahead of time. And then we realized that two of our episodes were released last week instead of just one. And today there was nothing. And we don't like to leave you hanging like that. No. So we decided we are going to give you a Patreon episode. Yeah. And a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. So you'll get a little taste of what Patreon, how we roll over there. This is an episode that I am fond of. It's about Phil Hartman. I think it's one of the cases that made me into uh, get into true crime, really, because yeah. it just always haunted me. I know. You always were very, uh, you liked him a lot. You like comedy. I can feel yeah. like you probably in your older days would have thought he was real hot. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember that and when we recorded it and I was freezing my butt off, which is opposite of what I'm doing now. So that's right. We recorded this during the Great Texas Freeze. Kind of ironic, actually. (laughs) That it's the Great Texas Heat. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Is it warm over there? Oh, my God. Yeah. I just sent Tab a meme that said, like, you better get your shit together because you can't handle hell. Yeah, because nobody likes it this hot for this long. Nobody. Yeah. (laughs) No, I have, I have come to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fun. We just got back from Austin. We had a family reunion out there and it was so, I will tell you, one of my favorite trips for sure. Awesome. Yeah. 
And you were up in the Northern California, Tahoe, which is also everybody's what? favorite trip. One of my favorite trips. Yeah. Can't wait to go back. Love it. Beautiful. There's no place like Tahoe. That's what everybody says. You know, I've only been there during the winter to ski, but never experienced it in the summer. So maybe next year I'll come with you. That would be awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to the episode since we need to get this live uh, ASAP. And I hope you guys enjoy. And if you guys want to check out more of Patreon, we do have a bonus crime coming up also uh, this week, right, Gretchy? Or is it next week? It's either this next, week or next, next week. week. Okay, next week. so that's patreon.com forward slash housewives of true crime. Uh, and here is our episode of Bill Hartman. Today, I'm going to tell you about the late, great Phil Hartman. If you're not familiar, he was a comedic actor who was killed by his wife in 1998. And I don't think I am alone in just never being able to reconcile what the fuck happened that brought her to that point. Like, you know, it was a murder-suicide. Right. But I think after this deep dive, while there will always be unanswered questions, most of the pieces of the puzzle kind of come together. Okay, so Phil, born 1948 in Canada, but his family moved to the United States when he was around 10. Phil actually graduated college from both of our alma maters, Tab. CSUN? The CSUN. Yeah, California State University of Northridge. Got himself a degree in graphic design. Oh, who knew? Who knew? Okay, a degree, which he put to good use. Phil actually designed some album covers for huge bands like America and Poco. Whoa. Well, I mean, those are kind of before our time, but yeah. Yeah, well, it would, yeah, but they were the cool bands at the time when he was designing. Yeah, for sure. Right? From what I gather about Phil's life in his 20s, they were pretty charmed years, which is not surprising because he's charming, right? Mm -hmm. And really intelligent, and that's how he scored the graphic design jobs. He partied with cool people. Apparently, he used to hang out with Larry Hagman, you know, the guy from Genie and Dallas. Yeah. Your show. He was the cool guy. Yeah, they used to hang out in the boo, smoking the reefer, and hot tubbing (laughs) after catching waves. Oh, sounds like Jeremiah's kind of thing, except for the reefer. Yeah, my husband does not smoke pot. He's so boring. I don't think he ever has. He's so boring. (laughs) He has a couple times and he's lame. Okay. But now he's a boat captain and he gets drug tested regularly. So (laughs) there's only one stoner in this house. Okay. (laughs) And she does it like once every every five five years. years. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, I found some the other day. You found some? Yeah, I found like some. What? Did somebody I found leave it some, over like, your house? Like in a baggie. No. No way. Like old school style? Y- yeah. Somebody gave me some and I was like, oh, I'm going to keep that and put it in my underwear drawer in case I ever have guests. <laughs> that you I wanted to like give it to? I like to be hospital. Hospitable. <laughs> hospitable. <laughs> hospital. Put him in the hospital. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah. it's all dried out and pretty. What pretty are you going to just like? Pull, yeah, like you're gonna I don't pull know. it out. Maybe I'll like, make some brownies or something, see if it works. Who knows? Oh my God, you're not gonna do that, by the way. Okay. Yeah, no, because I'd go off my diet. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Anywho, Phil's friends describe him as being the guy who liked to party but knew when to cut himself off, which I really appreciate people who can indulge without getting lame. Like, it's a talent, right? I've got it. It took me years to perfect it, and I still oh, yeah. blow it once in a while. No. Every once in a, every couple of years, you blow it too, right? Yeah, yeah. Every no, once in, in a while, you gotta like just get too drunk. Yeah, there for sure. But I'm pretty good now. Man, yeah, I'm pretty know, good my now. College too, years I think. were probably not as good, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so Phil bought himself a little house in the Los Angeles suburb of Sherman Oaks, like in his twenties. So smart, responsible. That's right? real responsible. Yeah. He married a woman named Gretchen. <gasps> no shit. He did. Her name was Gretchen Lewis, and they were married from 1970 to 1972. I never found anything where she publicly talked about her marriage to Phil, but I did see an interview with Phil himself where he said that his first marriage was just never destined to work. They were just too young. Which is common, right? Lots of people yeah. don't get it right the first time. So Phil, this single guy in the city of angels, kind of killing it at life. But he's looking to expand his creative horizons and meet some new lady friends. So he joined the Groundlings. The Groundlings is a big deal. Everybody knows what it is in L.A. It's a legendary improv group. where They have shows every week you can go see that are super funny that has launched the careers of greats like... Will Ferrell, Conan, Cheryl Hines, Lisa Kudrow, list goes on and on. You have to be invited to the Groundlings. You can't just like show up and be like, hey, I want to I want in the club. You start taking low level classes and then you get voted up is how it works. Anyone can take a class at the Groundlings, but not everybody can perform. If I ever move back to L.A., I'm going to do that. I think we should do it together. I think that would be real fun. I, I always wanted would, to do that. I really, I love improv. So yeah, I think, I think it's that, funny. Yeah, me too. So I would love to do that. That's okay. that's going to be like when we, when our kids are in college and we can yeah. like do something. We might yeah, be too old to that. like, let's do that. Get up in the business, but yeah. And then when we'll embarrass them, we'll like post it on YouTube. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyhow, his time at the Groundlings was the beginning of him doing a bunch of voiceover work. He also met Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman, there, and they eventually developed Pee Wee's Playhouse, where Phil played Captain Carl. Pee Wee's Playhouse, such a good show. You know, I let my kids watch it. Yeah, me too. it's on Netflix. Yeah. Okay, so listen, you know Large Marge? Uh Uh-huh. That's from the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're talking about the TV show. Yeah. Well, Large Marge scared the bejesus out of one of Kyla's friends, so much so that she had to go home in the middle of the night and I had to call her dad to come pick her up. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And you probably know who I'm talking about. (laughs) Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. I would not (laughs) want to call that dad in the middle of the night. I'd be real afraid of him. Oh, my God. It was really not. And he's probably like, you let her watch what? She was she's the one that said that she's watched it before. So I thought it was fine. But, you know, I think little kids tell you like, yeah, I can watch that. And then. Oh, yeah. Like, really, their parents are like, no, you can't watch that. Yeah. 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 Phil has this illustrious career and I'm going to pretty much gloss over it. 
because if I don't, we'll never get to him meeting his third wife, Bryn, and that fateful night. But first, I'm going to tell you about his second wife and marriage before I get there, because her name is Lisa Strain, and she is still with us, and she has a lot of insight into Phil as a husband, which is interesting, okay? Yeah. He had an amazing career. He's a legend. I'm going to pretty much skip over it. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Phil in 1982, when he was 32, married Lisa. They had a really low-key wedding, which Lisa says is partly because Phil's a real cheapskate. In fact, she said when they were married, they never shared money, and they never even shared shampoo. What? Yeah. Like, he made her buy her own shampoo? Yeah. How long were they married for? Oh, my God. I mean, not very long. Less than three years. Yeah, because I think I would be like, dude... I can't handle that cheapskate. Yeah. I mean, I've had some encounters with cheapskate. I had a roommate who I'm still very good friends with. God bless him. But I don't know how his wife does it. He wouldn't let us run the dishwasher on the hot cycle, like to dry it. Oh, my God. Because he was like, that's too much energy. (laughs) I think the hot cycle is when the dishwasher does its job. Yeah, that's what I think, too. Sanitize it. Yeah, you need that. Uh, yeah. My husband, I could say, is kind of a, he's like a cheapskate in some ways, right? But he makes up for it in other areas. He, he does. But listen, like, okay, you know, before you get married, some of these guys act like they're not going to be cheapskates. Like he would valet the car every restaurant we went to when he was taking me out on dates, right? Yeah. Now he's like, you valeted the car. That's $10. You know? Oh my God. Oh, my God. He must hate me so much because whenever when they were in L.A. and I would meet them for dinner, I'd always be like, hey, go ask your husband for money. I don't have any cash to buy. <laughs> and now I'm like, I'm like, wait, you, you can't you can't date somebody and act like you're one thing and then marry them and then completely say that Starbucks is too expensive and not valet your car anymore. Well, thank God you didn't marry that guy who wouldn't let you order iced tea. I know. I mean, Sean, I, I dated a guy that every time I ordered iced tea, he was like, that's, by the way, that was like in 2000. That iced tea like probably $1. only cost a dollar. Yeah. Now it's like 250 or three bucks. And my husband did say the other day on the bill, he was like, that iced tea was 350. I was like, okay. And then I called him the name of my old boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> he loved that. <laughs> Okay, so Phil's a cheapskate. Phil's a cheapskate, married to Lisa. While they were married, Lisa worked as a server, and she was supportive of Phil pursuing acting. She says it wasn't a two-way street, though. When she expressed her own interest in an acting career, he was not cool with it. She said that although he was getting regular acting jobs, he would periodically quit and go back to graphic design for a while because he liked the financial stability, which is sort of admirable, right? If you're trying to impress like Susie Orman, but it's also kind of boring. I mean, you know? What, graphic design? No, I mean, just quitting like you're getting acting work. And but you're not... like, but he's like, but I, don't, I need the financial stability. Yeah. So then you go back. Acting work is so unstable. I mean, even yeah. for the, even for actors that 
have are pretty good and and well known, their lives are like always hanging, right? It's like, oh, hopefully that show gets picked up for another season. And if not, what the fuck am I going to do? You know what I mean? Well, I got the vibe that Lisa wanted to be married to the comedian, actor, improv, you know, exciting Mm -hmm. guy, Mm -hmm. not the boring graphic designer. And graphic design wasn't the only thing she found boring about Phil. She says his libido was also boring. Oh, she was young, newlywed and craved attention from her husband, but he refused to argue with her. She said he would just check out. You know, mm-hmm. later. Yeah, I hate that, right? Mm-hmm. On their anniversary, they got a hotel in Santa Barbara, and she put on lingerie and jumped on top of him, and he said, could you just stop? <gasps> and she says she remembers thinking to herself, like, yeah, I can. I can just stop forever. And she also says that he started calling her just this insatiable black hole because she, you know, needed attention, you know, God forbid, right? Which she describes as emotionally abusive. And I get that. Feeling alienated sucks, especially for us ladies. That's what brings out our insecurities and usually provokes us to act real, you know, peanuts, butter and jelly. So the marriage didn't last, but they did stay friends. Okay. I could see that for sure. Yeah. I think, you know, Good on ya. Yeah. No sharing shampoo. Doesn't give a shit about you jumping on him in lingerie. Get out before you have kids. Right. 100%. So not too long after that marriage ended, he met Bryn Omdahl at a party in 1984. There is no denying Bryn is an absolute beauty. She made her way out to La La Land from Arizona to pursue a modeling career. The name she was born with was Vicky Joe. I think Bryn was a good choice in name change. Bryn is like a hot girl name. It is a hot girl name. And Vicky Joe doesn't sound like an Arizona name. It sounds like somewhere else in the country. Okay. Yeah. Pretty early on in their relationship, the people close to Phil say they didn't think that highly of the two of them being together. They said they knew why Phil was with her. They got like trophy vibes. But the women that Phil had been with before had all been funny. And Bryn wasn't? No, she just wasn't. She was just hot. Yeah, she was just hot. Additionally, they were that couple that got into fights that made everyone feel uncomfortable. Mm. Mm. Bryn was known to fly off the handle. Oh, in front of people. In front of people. Yeah. I mean, fight behind closed doors all day, but you can't do it in front of your friends, right? It's a real buzzkill. It really is. I mean, <laughs> really. sometimes, sometimes that, ha- it, I don't fly off the handle. Nobody flies off the handle, but people can sense that Sean and I are like, maybe not on the best terms sometimes. And I always am like, we are just a buzz fucking kill right now. Oh, yeah, I've done it, too, and I felt real bad about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, probably a factor that contributed to Bryn being so irritable was that she had a little coke habit. Actually, it was more than a habit. It was a problem. She went to meetings to help her stay clean, you know, periodically, and it was, but it was a lifelong battle for Bryn. 
I'm not sure if she ever really wanted to get clean, even though she was going to meetings. I kind of feel like maybe it was just a Band-Aid because she went to them, but she sought out meetings in like Beverly Hills neighborhoods where she hoped to spot celebrities. Mm. So that doesn't say like I've hit rock bottom. to me (laughs) you know that says like okay phil i stopped using i went to a meeting what more do you want from me you know yeah okay so phil and bryn are this tumultuous couple and there's many accounts of bryn acting out volatilely but also don't think it's fair to just blame her for this i mean it takes two to tango and Like I told you, he was described by his previous wife as being kind of a dick. And it seems like the two of them were just like, you know, matches and gasoline together. Right? Yeah. You know, what's funny is that you say that before he wouldn't argue. Like he just like backed down and like, but there are times where you, I've been in like relationships, short ones, but that you just don't click. Right. And so you fight, which I'm like, I've never fought like this before. This is really not even me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I hate the shutdown. I mean, I want to talk about it. I want to stay up all night and talk about it. And then I want to go to bed. I don't (laughs) want to like, I mean, if somebody wouldn't argue with me, I don't, I wouldn't like that. I know, but it sounds like now he's arguing, you know, he wouldn't argue with Lisa, but now with Bryn, he's arguing. Well, I think that he would ignore her, and so she would act out. To the point where he couldn't stop. So he would check out, and that would just make her more mad, so she would act volatilely. Okay. Like, the more he ignored her, the more it amped her up. I get that. Yeah. I get it. So I think that maybe they confuse that toxic dynamic for passion or something. Or <laughs> or maybe it was the fact that Bryn got knocked up. But for whatever reason, Bryn and Phil got married in November 1987. Phil had just started his SNL career and they were living in New York City where Bryn had gotten a receptionist job and took classes when they tied the knot. She hung around SNL a lot. She would do stuff like sit on the writer's laps and just be extra. But people say it just never seemed to bother Phil. Just to speak a little bit about this behavior, there is an interview on YouTube where Phil and Howard Stern, and at the end, Bryn joins in. It is so cringy. I am going to play you some of the audio. Okay. Okay. Because I know you're a, you're a good man, I really wish I could show you my wife's body. Because I, I swear, would you ever let me? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be great? Well, we love. No we're we're fans here. of Howard. Yes. We don't normally do this sort of thing. <laughs> would that be acceptable? We could work out some kind of trade. Maybe. You would never show me your body, would you? 
You, if it's only Phil. Well, in a bikini. In a bikini, I could. If well, I, I didn't bring one. So. If I invited you to my house, you would sit by the pool and swim. Sure. Well, that would sure. certainly be enough. <laughs> but you are beautiful. You cannot weigh okay. more than uh, 110 pounds. Am I correct? No, I'm 120. You're 120, but you are what? Six feet seven tall. I mean, how tall are you? You are, you are what? You are very five tall. Nine. You are five nine. That is my favorite height. This is the height all women should be. And um, you, so you would be. In Howard loves my wife. I do. Howard loves my. Let me ask you a question, Phil. And, and let me ask you, Bryn. May I? I have not kissed you. Hello. Would that be inappropriate? To no. Kiss you hello. I I wish, honey. Could I kiss, kiss your wife hello? Bryn, would it be? Do you find me repulsive? <laughs> no. She I loves I, you. Are she you does kidding? really. Yes. I love she you. gets up every morning. I think with I'm the as attractive, baby. certainly as Phil. I forced my five-year-old to listen to your show every. That day. is very very good parenting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, so I can kiss you. Can I kiss you hello? Mm -hmm. On the lips. Of course! That would be all right? Yes! You would not be upset by that? No, I'll be watching the watch. No, but, but I mean, just, would that be okay, Brent? Well, what do you mean? First of all, you know I'm healthy because yeah. I have only made love to the same woman for 19 years. So my lips are virginal. I, I, I have no herpes. I have no uh, venereal diseases. Your eyes look I have, very clear. My eyes are clear. It would be a, a simply a friendly kiss, would it not? Well, a friendly kiss is fine. All right, let I'd us be begin flattered. the kissing process. I'm going to kiss you on the lips if it's okay with you and if it's okay with Phil. <laughs> yes, it certainly All right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> we held out way too long. See, how did you feel about that? I, I love you both. What I can think I she's say? cheating on you the way she went for me. I really do. Okay, guys, so you can't see it, but when they start kissing, they like completely wrap their arms around each other and they really kiss. It's weird. I, it's, oh, and yeah, weird. Yeah. So, just, and Phil doesn't care. And Phil, Phil's all about it. Well, I mean, we did do that other episode where some people like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think this is, I think this was kind of different. I think that Phil did not respect Bryn. Got he it. was like, she's my trophy wife. Blah, you know, like, yeah. I just don't, you know, I think other situations people were like, you know, they're just voyeuristic. They like to watch. I don't think this was that. It seems to me that maybe Phil didn't respect women or women that he was with. Maybe women that he was with. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. I'm just saying, like, yeah, the pattern yeah, is there. The pattern is there. Yeah. Okay. So Bryn has been described as being cold to females that were associates of Phil's, whether they were colleagues or friends. But Julia Sweeney, who is really known, well known for her SNL character, Pat, was actually friends with Bryn. Do you know, do you remember who Julia yeah, Sweeney is? I do. Yeah. She's so Pat funny. Okay. was like was indifferent. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you could even do that skit now. Pat was not a boy or a girl. Pat was just Pat. Yeah. Okay, so Julia got to know a side of her that I don't think a lot of people did, and not just because Bryn could be difficult, but because I think people be judgy about hard hot chicks, you know? Like, they don't necessarily, especially if Phil put off this kind of, like, I don't respect my wife vibe, it's like other people are not going to treat her that way either, okay? Right. She's 5'9", you know, she's like this Amazon beauty. And these are comedians, right? Right. But Sweeney says 
she was endearing and fun. And I think it's worth mentioning because, you know, most people are real quick to just annihilate her. And like, there had to be something good about her, right? I mean, I get it why they do that. She did something unthinkable. She killed their friend, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Bryn gives birth to a baby boy. And Phil's ex-wife, Lisa, sent them well wishes in the form of a card and a gift. Well, Bryn no like that. Okay. She hand wrote a scathing four-page response to Lisa that said things like, if you ever come near our family, I will claw your eyes out. Whoa. Yeah, right? I mean, that's extra. Handwriting does make you seem extra nuts, right? Something about just being able to like pen to paper and unleash is so like serial killer, okay? Lisa gets this letter and then she calls up Phil and is like, what the fuck? And he said, oh, you should have seen what she wanted to send you. And Lisa was like, you knew she sent this to me? That's kind of balls. And why does she hate me so much? And he said, oh, it's probably because one night she asked if her and I were soulmates. And I told her, nope, don't think we are. I think I am probably soulmates with my ex-wife, Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) And Lisa was like, Phil, that's insane. And he's like, yeah, I don't even know why I said it. It really set her off. Sorry about that. I mean, come on. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Lisa and Phil ended up not talking for a couple of years after that conversation. I mean, when, can you blame you her? Know? No. Yeah, right? Okay, so Phil's career was really taking off. He started playing President Clinton on SNL, which is, you know, so coveted by the SNL cast, whoever gets to play the president at the time. He Mm -hmm. also started doing the voices for a couple of regular characters on The Simpsons. Phil bought a home in Encino, California. It's a nice home, about 4,000 square feet, and it was a million bucks. It's valued now at about 2.8. Okay. Phil put up a 50% deposit so responsible, right? Yeah, that's a good deposit. Yeah, okay. People were kind of surprised by the house that Phil chose because although it's super nice, it's like a block off of Ventura Boulevard. And you could just walk right up to the door. And they just thought, it's kind of surprising for someone as high profile as Phil was now. There was no gate before. There was a gate to, like, get buzzed in, but Mm -hmm. it is just right there. I mean, I'm going to get to a point where I explain to you that they lived a thousand feet from a Buca de Pepo. Oh, I know exactly where they live. Yeah. My kid went to school in Encino. So I know exactly where that is. I've been to that Buca de Pepo. It is a busy area, but there's a lot of celebrities that live up there. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of cool that Phil wasn't trying to live in like Beverly Hills with the yuppies. I mean, clearly he he had the money to do it. Yeah. But he liked Encino. And he's a cheapskate. I like Encino. Uh, Yeah, I love Encino. Yeah. But, you know. 
let me tell you, Encino right now is not what Encino was oh, then. That's Encino, true. That Buca de Beppo is filled with the homeless people now. But so Phil probably would have taken in his ass somewhere else than one block off of Ventura Boulevard. But, you know, I think it's an OK area where he he chose and he chose that because it was a lot like he could get 4000 square feet for a million bucks instead of Beverly Hills, where it would be like five. Yeah, probably at the time three, you know. Yeah. So Phil and Bryn had another child they named Bergen and she was born on a night when he was taping SNL and they announced it on the air. Whoa. Which is which is sweet, right? You know. But he wasn't in the hospital when she was born? He went to the hospital when she was born and was back by the end of filming. Wow. <laughs> like for the rap party. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. Sounds like my husband actually. Yeah, pretty much, right? Yeah. So also just side note, in the beginning of SNL, when they flash to Phil, you know, they're introducing seeing the cast and they flash to Phil like sitting at a diner and he waves. Yeah. There is a blonde next to him and you see the side of her head and her earring swinging. And that was actually Bryn. That's her. Yeah. She's in the intro. So after Bryn had babies, she did not give up her dream of getting into acting too. And for the most part, I mean, and they still struggled in their marriage and Phil pretty much kept his personal struggles close to his vest. But one of the things that friends say that he did talk about was Bryn's constant nagging him to get her parts on shows or movies that he had connections with. So he would be like, do me a solid and give her a couple lines. And they were like, okay, Phil, is she funny? And he was Mm. like, eh. And so it got awkward. Yeah. So for a while, Phil was in a development deal for his own show that was going to be the Phil show. But the network never pulled the trigger on it. And like, he was okay with it. He ended up doing a lot of comedians had had shows at the time, like Martin Short, and they flopped. And he kind of like didn't want the pressure. And he Mm -hmm. ended up getting on the show news radio. And it was like an ensemble cast. And that was kind of more of his jam. But anyway, so when he when this show got the kibosh, Bryn took it hard, right? Because she was like, fuck, he can finally get me a role because it's yeah. his show. Like, no excuse, right? She was let down. And she confided in Julia Sweeney the same story that ex-wife Lisa had told about, you know, the letdown of their sex life, too. Yeah. She said it was pretty meh. This episode is sponsored by Astapro. Thanks, Astapro, for providing Tab and I with samples. Shout out to all my allergy-suffering friends out there. You know how they say it's that time of year for allergies? Well, for me, it sort of feels like it's always that time of year. I thought I had tried everything until I recently discovered Astapro. Astapro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. 
Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. It's faster, bro. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Clink, clink. Listeners, today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. Are you busy? Well, of course you are. And if you're like me, that means you put off investing because maybe it just doesn't seem urgent or it's intimidating. Enter Acorns. Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future. You don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just spare change. Acorns recommends an expert built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. What I love about Acorns is that it gives you the tool to give your money a chance to grow. You don't have to start with a lot. Just start. Believe me, it feels great. Head to acorns.com slash clink or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Client testimonial may not be representative of all clients. Tier one compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash clink. Investing involves risk and including the loss of the principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors, LLC, Acorns is an SEC registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorns Securities, LLC, member FINRA slash SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. So Bryn's bombed, right? No career, no sex. But, you know, Phil was like this really dedicated family guy. I mean, from the outside, they looked pretty good. Everyone says that they both adored their kids. And people. it was common knowledge that there was problems. Everyone says, he, like, they knew that Phil stayed in the marriage. So much, though, because he adored his kids and that he was never unfaithful to Bryn. But a close friend of Phil's describes him as just being a guy with a room that no one will ever get into. Like a, a room in his head that no one will yeah. ever get into. And I imagine Bryn might agree with that. They started going to marriage counseling, but mostly Phil didn't show up. And she just did the sessions by herself. And as the years went on in the Hartman house, Phil's distant nature fed into Bryn's insecurities. They had this impossible dynamic because Bryn never got over that addiction to Coke. She went to rehab a couple times, like, you know, did some stays at Promises, stuff like that. But she would never give up drinking socially, and the alcohol made her want to use. And so it was a cycle. Phil's way of handling his coked-out wife was to smoke pot. And, you know, those don't, they don't go together, right? (laughs) Like, unless both people are doing both, you know, if you're on coke, it's no fun to hang out with a stoner and vice versa. (laughs) Because one's an upper, one's a downer. (laughs) Yeah, it, it don't work. I don't recommend, okay? Okay. So in 1997, they had a New Year's Eve party 
This was when Phil was on the sitcom news radio with Andy Dick. Okay. Bryn apparently went up to him at the party and asked him if he had any Coke, which, of, of course, Andy Dick had Coke, right? And just like that, Bryn was off the wagon again. But unlike John Lovitz, I don't blame Andy for this relapse of Bryn's. She was an addict. If it wasn't Andy that she would have gone up to that night to find Coke, she would have gotten it from somebody else. Okay? Right. But in 2007, at the Laugh Factory, I mean, this is just like a little side note, John Lovitz beat Andy up over it. Like, they both admit that this happened. John was really good friends with Phil, and he says it's Andy's fault that Bryn started using Coke again. And he says, Andy killed Phil. Oh, shoot. Bananas. Like, he beat him up. Yeah, that's crazy. I think I remember that. Okay. Happening. Yeah. Brit had jealousy issues, and they were no joke. For example, Phil had a love for Catalina Island. Like you. Like, and you. We've been there together. I know. He bought himself a boat and a plane. Hmm. And he escaped his troubled marriage a lot with island getaways. By himself, without her. Uh, with friends, yeah. Without her, though. I'm just yeah, saying, without like, her. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bryn did not like to go to Catalina after Phil took her out on a day when it was really rough. Do you think he did that on purpose? <laughs> well, friends do. Fr- friends of his do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listen, I mean, I've been out to Catalina on a rough day. And it is not fun. Well, I spent years on boats. I, it, the first time you go out, you ha- you're you on rough seas and you're sick and miserable. I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to get somebody to go out again. It is so awful. Yeah, it is the worst, right? So anyways, Phil's closest friend was a guy named Britt Marin. He has said that, for one, Bryn didn't like him because he got the vibe that she wasn't really cool with any of Phil's friends unless they were celebrities. And since he was the one that went with Phil to Catalina most of the time, Bryn was real suspicious of him. Mm-hmm. He says she hired a private investigator to follow them around. Weird. Why? I don't know. He thinks that she suspected that they were gay or like some other form of cheating, like they were getting women together. But I mean, you know, I mean, I told you before, the consensus about Phil is that he just was not a guy who strayed. Yeah. Bryn's just jelly belly. So anyways, on May 27th, 1998, Phil and Britt headed down to Newport Beach, my hood, and ate at the Cannery Restaurant Mm -hmm. before they headed back. To L.A. around 4.30, they stopped at West Marine and made plans to meet up the next day at Phil's summer rental house in Malibu to surf and play tennis. That sounds dreamy. dreamy, Warm day, right? Okay. Phil arrived home and Bryn and the nanny were there. He asked Bryn if they were going for a date night and she told him, no, we're doing that tomorrow. And he said, do you mind if I swing by my airplane hangar in Van Nuys and I'll only be gone about an hour? And Bryn agreed. 
And after he left, she made like a snide comment to the nanny, like, he's never gone for just an hour. That's probably true, right? Yeah. So, Well, he's going from Malibu to Van Nuys and back. No, he was at his house in Encino and he was going to Van Nuys and back. So that's that's close. Yeah. Okay. So Bryn left the kids with the nanny while she ran some errands. When she got home, she asked the nanny if she could stay a little later that night so she could grab drinks with a girlfriend of hers at Buca de Peppo and that Phil would take over watching the kids whenever he got home. Okay. The nanny agreed. Bryn left around 7.30 in her forest green Jeep Cherokee. I just thought that was worth mentioning because that was such a cool car at the time. You never see forest green cars anymore, right? No, you don't. And Jeep Cherokees really had a moment then. They for sure did. I haven't seen a Jeep Cherokee in a long time, actually. In a while. Yeah. Okay. So she drove, which Buca de Peppo is only a thousand feet from their house, but whatever. And did she go there? She actually went there. She actually went there, hung out at the bar. Yeah. Phil came home around eight. So So his hour was a little mm, longer than an hour. It was a little longer. Yeah. The nanny said when she left, Phil was in the pool with the kids and they were all laughing. Okay. Okay. Meanwhile, at the bar, Bryn had two Cosmopolitans and her friend had two glasses of wine. Again, we used to drink Cosmos. I know. I was just thinking, I was like, isn't that a lot of sugar? Yeah. (laughs) No more, right? I think we thought those were like, those were like our skinny margaritas. I know. Oh, my God. I had the best skinny margarita the other day. Oh, my God. It was so good. Oh, Anyways, okay. super frozen, you know, like the best frozen consistency of ice mixed with the margarita was oh so good. God. You have heard me talk about my language learning skills with Rosetta Stone, and I'm telling you, I'm getting really good at it. I learned a little bit of Japanese before we went to Japan last year. And I really love the French language. So I'm learning French at the moment. Bonjour, bonsoir. I'm even getting a little bit of the accent down. Not very good, but I'm I'm getting there. And with Rosetta Stone, it makes it so easy. I download it on my phone. I learn it in the car. It is awesome. You can do it on your desktop, wherever you find it convenient. They are there for you. And They have 25 languages, you guys, that you can use. And right now they are giving a lifetime membership for 50% off. So you can learn as many languages as you want for your entire life, which is amazing. And the best part is it starts off, you know, with just words and then phrases and then sentences. And then you should be able to have a conversation with somebody that also knows the language, which is you know, my entire goal. So don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now. Seriously, get started before your summer vacay. The Our listeners get 50% off the lifetime membership. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem it today at rosettastone.com forward slash today. 
Where are all my lady listeners at? Because I am talking to you. Is your time of month an easy breezy situation? Or are you like me and for about a week before your period starts, all you want to do is stay in bed and also eat anything and everything? Or maybe you're experiencing the joys of menopause or that sneaky bee perimenopause. Well then ladies, you've got to try Hormone Harmony. Hormone Harmony is made by the Happy Mammoth Company, which I've been a big fan of for a while now. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called aptogens. Now, here's the beauty about aptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. So Hormone Harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it's perfect for those horrible menopausal symptoms that put a woman's life on hold like hot flashes, night sweats, racing thoughts, low moods, poor sleep, feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas, no desire to be in bed with someone. You know what I mean? Yes, Hormone Harmony can help with all those things. And the biggest benefit is feeling like yourself again. That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews of Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code CLINK at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use code CLINK for 15% off today. CLINK CLINK ladies. Listen. I went to, I actually went out to lunch this weekend with my husband. You guys, Holy I got shit. a babysitter. What? Yeah. I didn't know this. You didn't even tell me this. You've been in Scottsdale. Okay. And we ate at the Winden Sea, which I hadn't eaten at, in the harbor. Mm-hmm. And I drank cocktails, and they have the good crushed ice. Oh, yes. I love it. Oh, my God. I could have just sat there all day. I would have been so happy never leaving. But when you had to. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And my first cocktail did not come with the crushed ice. And then I, but I saw it. And I was like, oh, I got to get that ice. Yeah. Got to get it. Yeah. If okay, you lived anyways. in Texas, you could just drive to Sonic and get a cup of ice. Oh, my God. well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyhow. Okay. When you visit. When I visit. Okay. So the ladies did not eat. So yeah, it's probably buzzed, right? Okay. Yeah. So her friend says the conversation wasn't real unusual, but Bryn did say that despite her shitty sex life with Phil... They were getting along better these days. And she did lament a little about being 40 and her career not going anywhere. So, I mean, it sounds like Bryn kind of has a pattern, right? Yeah. The friend used the bathroom a couple times and said that while she did, Bryn used the payphone. But she didn't know who Bryn was talking to. And... Bryn wanted to keep the party going that night, and the friend was over it, so she left. And Bryn left, too, telling the bartender, I'll be back, and next time I'll bring Phil. Okay. Okay. So Bryn went to her friend Ron Douglas's house. They had dated 15 years ago, but Phil did not mind that they periodically hung out still. Ron says that when Bryn showed up, she was in an agitated mood. He describes her as being just 
starved for attention and she just kind of wanted to bitch about how Phil was always with his friend Britt and how nothing was going on with her screenplay script. Okay, so this was something that Britt had written, which is really bizarre. It was about like some drug dealer murder. Okay. Okay. And people say that Phil kind of like begrudgingly gave it to people to read, but insinuated like, hey, I told my you don't wife have to I'd do anything. To you. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to do anything. She with has it. like zero talent. Okay. It does sound like Bryn was kind of delusional, but at the same time, I do kind of feel sorry for her that it's pretty clear Phil did not believe in her at all. Yeah. Which is kind of sad, right? It's kind of sad, right? Okay. Anyways, she had a couple beers at Ron's and he told her, it's late, you should head home. According to him, she didn't seem too drunk to drive. Uh, Thank God. I mean, she's too drunk to drive after two Cosmos. I mean, thank God we have Uber now, right? I know. 1236, she called a friend that she sometimes called when she wanted to use, but the friend didn't answer. She also called her house and Bill did not answer. She then called 411. We don't know why. Ron waited up for her to call because she had said that she would call when she got home safely, but she never did. He figured she did, and he didn't want to, you know, wake up everyone in the house, so he never called. He just went to bed. Okay. Okay. She did make it home. It's possible that her and Phil argued, but we don't know. The son, Sean, recalls hearing a door slam and someone yell, sorry, sorry, sorry. Police think Phil was most likely asleep the whole time because of the way he was found, which was in bed, shot three times, wearing a purple shirt and red and white boxers. He was shot from no more than 18 inches away. Um, He was shot with the pistol that the couple kept in a lockbox next to their bed. I mean, the thing of it is, is that I certainly, I hope that he was asleep, but we just, you know, we we'll kind of will never know. He was shot in the head and the chest, and we we don't know which shot went first. We don't know. No, we don't know. Okay, so at 3.25 a.m., Bryn calls Ron up and tells him, Phil is not home and she doesn't want to be alone. And he tells her, drink some milk and go to sleep. Well, 20 minutes later, he says she was banging on his door. He so said, she leaves after killing. She shoots Phil and then she tries to tell her friend, Phil's not home. And then she shows up at his house. But what is she trying to get him to come over there? What was she going to do with that? Yeah, I'll get to it. So... He said when she came over this time, she reeked of alcohol. It was clear she had been drinking heavily since she left. Ah, okay. And he was like, I mean, come on, what are you doing? And she just said, just don't yell at me like Phil does. And she was crying and hysterical, and she blurted out that she killed Phil. But he didn't believe her. She started vomiting and then passing out. Until she would vomit again. So Ron is now, he's like exhausted. It's 3.30 in the morning and he's just watching her so she doesn't like choke on her own vomit. Yeah. You know? And then at one point, Bryn starts rooting through her purse and the gun fell out. And then he was like, whoa, like, I hope 
there was nothing to what you were saying earlier. You know, yeah. he demands that she gives it to him. He takes the gun and he takes it and he says that he thinks that he can tell that all the bullets were still in the chamber. And so he was momentarily relieved. Before 6 a.m., it hit Bryn that her kids were going to wake up soon. And so she convinced Ron to follow her home, which he agreed to. She tells him, bring the gun. So he gets the gun and realizes this time that the gun has actually been fired. He put it in a grocery bag and then in the trunk of his car. He follows Bryn to the house. He said she ran two red lights on the way there. And she had a car phone. She called her friend Judy from the car. She tells her she killed Phil. And so she headed over to the house. When Bryn and Ron got to the house, Ron took the gun out of the trunk and followed Bryn into the bedroom where Phil was. And Bryn started screaming, oh, my God, I don't know why I did it. Oh, my God. I'm like, why did you bring the gun with you back inside the house? Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, okay. So Bryn also called a friend, Steve, who was just three blocks away. And so he headed over to the house, too. Ron after seeing Phil, called 911 from the house and told them there's been a shooting. The dispatcher is trying to figure out, like, if it was an accident or what, and he just says, I don't know why the wife did it. She's drunk. So while he's on the phone, Bryn barricades herself in the bedroom with Phil's body, and she's got the gun. How did she get the gun? He brought it with him. Into and then the just, bedroom. Like, set it down. And then set it down and then went to the other room to call 911. Oh my God. I know. Okay. So at 6:21 a.m., Bryn calls her sister and tells her, Tell my kids how much I love them. Okay. Bryn's friends that she had called arrive at the house, but they can't get into the gate. And Ron doesn't know how to open it either. Okay. You push nine. The the little boy, Sean, (laughs) wakes up and Ron asks him if he knows how to open the gate. And he did. Okay. So Ron opens the gate and he leaves and takes Sean with him. And by this time, the police had arrived. And so he let them in, telling them there's still a little girl in her bedroom. Officers enter the house and can hear Bryn on the phone with her sister crying, and so they announce their presence. She ended up shooting herself at 6.38 a.m. while they were still getting Bergen, the little girl, out of the house. The media got a hold of the story, and they were camped out in front of the house by 9 a.m. when police gave a statement that, you know, both of the Hartmans were shot. Oh, my God. So awful. That is so sad. Yeah. They didn't remove their bodies from the home until like 2 p.m. that day. Yeah, because it's a crime scene. Yeah, I remember 
like I'm sure many of us do, that footage in front of their house of them getting loaded up and being so shook by the Mm -hmm. devastating news. I mean, it's just awful. So the kids were told by their uncle that mommy and daddy were dead and they were sent to Bryn's sister's house in the Midwest to live. No way. Mm -hmm. That's like a total shock for the kids. A total shock. Yeah. Both Bryn and Phil's families went into seclusion after the shooting, just issuing a single statement that said, this just hurts too much to say anything. I read that there was some fighting among the family uh, regarding money. Specifically, Phil didn't leave any money to his mother. Mm -hmm. And he had been supporting her. But he probably didn't because he thought that she would go before him. 100%. Right? So, like, you can't cut her off. Like, right. You know, right? Yeah. Okay. So, pretty much everything else was left to his kids in a trust that they were to receive when they were 25 if they earned bachelor's degrees. Okay. He's so responsible. That is okay? responsible. So, right? did they? Are they 25? Is that how old are they? Yeah, I think they're how both 25 now. Yeah, they are over 25. Yeah, I think they've both fulfilled. I'll, I'll tell you, they're doing great, okay. but I'll tell you about it. There was a service held for Phil at the Groundlings Theater, as well as a service at, you know, like the Hollywood Forever Forest Lawn thing. Bryn and Phil were cremated, and some of their ashes were buried in Minnesota where they have a plot together, which is kind of weird, right? Like they bought it before? I don't know the how family the ash- bought okay. it. Okay, so some of their ashes are buried together in this plot, and some of their ashes were spread together off of Catalina. If my husband kills me, I no longer want our ashes to be together. I don't want to be in the same cemetery that's it. Right. I mean, it's till death do us part. You're dead. Let's part. Like, you killed me. <laughs> Especially if you... If I mean, I just kills. think that's, like, such bullshit. Like, for, you know, on for eternity. No. Fuck that. Well, not if somebody kills somebody else. Like... Yeah. No. I thought it was weird. Okay. So, okay. So, some of his ashes were spread off Catalina and on the boat, which was mostly Phil's friends. There was some grumbles... From people who were like me, like, why are their ashes still together? Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the thing about that boat trip was that there was a specific spot on Catalina where Phil had told his BFF, that guy Britt, that he wanted his ashes put if he ever died. It was Indian Rock. And to get close to Indian Rock, you need to be like on a inflatable boat or a kayak. So they just spread his ashes like out there, but not right at the spot. So apparently Phil's friend held on to just some of his ashes and it took him 20 years, but he did make it back to Phil's favorite spot and kayak over to Indian Rock where he let, you know, 
Phil go yeah. away from Bryn to rest, you know, with the fishes. Okay? So okay. at least there's that. When the autopsy was released, they found Zoloff, Coke, and alcohol in Bryn's system. Bryn had been struggling with getting the correct dosage of Zoloff right to help with her anxiety for a while. Her doctor had told her to reduce the dosage, and it's not clear if she had followed his directions. One of the side effects of Zoloff is violent and or suicidal thoughts. Even though I'm pretty sure that they don't recommend mixing Zoloff with coke and alcohol, the Hartman estate sued Pfizer and settled for wrongful death. Yeah. Yeah, I think they got a lot of money, too. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, it was kind of high profile. Pfizer probably just wanted it to go away. But it's like, can can you really sue? Here's the thing about that. First of all, I'm sure that you're not supposed to mix Coke and alcohol with With Olaf. Yeah. So I don't understand how Pfizer can be. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure I don't see how Pfizer could be responsible for that. Also, Bryn had a long history of going Looney Tunes. You know, like, it wasn't the Zoloff that, like, set her off. It was the years of emotional alienation and turmoil, all that. And stability. Yeah. 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 I mean, Zoloff might have put her over the edge. I don't know. I mean, nobody can ever know, right? Who knows? I don't know. But yeah, for sure, they just wanted to get, get over, get it over with. And Pfizer has a lot of money. Even more now that they're making a fucking vaccine that everybody has to get. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Okay. So the Hartman children are all grown up now and both are successful and seemingly well-adjusted. I mean, it was probably good that they went to the Midwest to grow up. Kind of a way where people didn't even know who they were. 100%. I mean, for sure. Bergen posted a sweet photo of Phil on Father's Day in 2016, I went on her Instagram and it says, as another Father's Day comes to an end, I am lucky enough to have had a number of father figures in my life, but this dapper dude will always have my heart. Oh, that's sweet. Has she ever posted anything about Mother's Day? Nothing about Mother's Day and the son doesn't post anything about either one of his parents. And that's her only post. Wow. About him. So, well, she was six when it happened. Yeah, they did a thing 20 years later where Bryn's brother did an interview on the 20 year anniversary of their death. So the family finally spoke up. Mm-hmm. And on that interview, he said that both of the kids were, you know, just doing really, really great. I mean, I, I would certainly hope so. They both had a Bryn and Phil both had large families. Yeah. So I would hope they had a lot of people around them that loved them. Yeah, I'm sure they did. And now they have some money if they're 25 and graduated college. This Bergen is beautiful. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, she had like two celebrity looking parents. Well, it's yeah. Hollywood, Hollywood type. You know, they have like. I'm telling you, every actor 
or actress that I've ever met has this look about them. And I've met a lot. It's just this like unique perfection. And I think this is what it is. I think to be on camera, you have to have symmetry, right? So like one of your lips can't be drooping. One side of your lip can't be drooping or one side of your nostril can't be like a little bit higher. Like everything is kind of symmetrical. Even if you're not the most beautiful, you have this symmetry that just kind of works for the camera. Yeah, I would say that is true for everyone except for maybe Sylvester Stallone. There and are I've seen, few. I have seen him in person and you know how he looks like so like, whoa. Yeah. You look, you look a little worse for wear. Yeah. In person, it's even gnarlier. <laughs> well, they have good lighting. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> they do have good lighting. So even the the people that look um, like they haven't aged in person, they do look like oh they've God. aged. But you know, Side I'm just note, saying, he like, was the nicest guy in the world and his wife is stunning. By the way, I hear super sweet. I so I have heard multiple times that he is just such a nice guy. So nice. Um who did I see? I forget. Oh, I think I did see him in Chicago. That's right. And I um but I was just I was passing and I was like, Hey, how's it going? And he was like Hey, what's up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that is the craziest case, man. It's like you did a really good job on that one. Thanks so much. Oh, thanks. That's a lot of research. Yeah, it's hard because, well, first of all, I read this book about Phil. It's called like You Might Remember Me, Phil Hartman. And I watched a lot of interviews and stuff. It's just that they go into so much detail about Phil's career. Yeah. And it's like, I I get it. He was yeah. real talented. He had a real good career. But I want to know about his marriage. So that took a little digging, you know, digging yeah. putting, piecing it all together. You know, a lot of people recommend some crimes. And the problem is we don't have enough information on the people themselves, just the crime that lasted like I don't know, five seconds. And so we don't have enough information to talk about because we could talk for like five minutes and tell you exactly what happened. But it's so there's this fine line of like too much, not too much, not enough. Okay, well, listen, so I've been looking into crimes. And so for my next bonus crime next month, I'm already thinking ahead. I'm going to do all these prison guard crimes because I found a couple, but there's just not enough there. But I'm telling you guys, they are so fascinating. Okay. I'll just give you a little taste. I found this prison, this female prison guard cut a hole in her uniform so she could, in her hoo-ha, so she could have sex with the dude. No freaking way. And she, she's locked up right now. Oh, my God. So then I was like, there's a lot of them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run down a bunch. Okay, that's fun. Yeah, so that'll be fun next month. Wow, she really needed to get some. She did. <laughs> okay, well, until next month for that one. Um, yeah. <laughs> this Monday, we're doing a love triangle. Again, you know, I love those. 
Love triangles. Love, 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 love. Anywho, everybody that's in Texas, I hope that you are staying warm. Do not turn on your car in your garage. That is not safe. People are doing that and they are not making it through. People are going into their cars to stay warm, which I do think is like an okay thing to do. But make sure the snow is not in your tailpipe. Oh, my God. Oh, this is so heavy. I know, but I'm telling you, you got to like, the shit's getting real out here. My friends <sighs> drove to Louisiana because that's the only place that they could find a hotel near here. And it was oh my God. usually a three-hour drive, took them six hours. They found a hotel. They have like four little kids and their house was in the 30s. They can't freaking live like that. Yeah. So she was like, this is like craziness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you could come here, but I don't know how long my power is going to be on for. And I have no water. So we're, and we're almost out of food. So like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I wish I could drone you some. It's okay. I'm out of here in a, in a hot minute. Going to, I'm going to fly my ass to LA for a minute. Oh, okay. Good, good, good. We can maybe record this weekend. Okay. Anyways, clink, clink, everybody. Clink, clink.